and welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Hi everyone and welcome, welcome to another episode of the Flying Changes show with me, Jenny Winterleach, and I'm thrilled today to be joined by Nikki Allen and uh, Sky. her little chihuahua has joined in with us this morning as well. Morning. Morning. How are you? Oh, we're fine, thank you. Good, good. And uh, just quickly introduce yourself and Sky, obviously, because she has decided very much today that she wants to be a part of our our chat, clearly. Yep, she has planted herself on my lap. Um, This is part of her, yeah, I am going to be. She is very special. She comes everywhere with me now. Um, I was lucky enough to rescue her or rehome her last, just beginning of lockdown last year. And since then, she has become pretty much a part of my um, well, anatomy really she goes everywhere with me so yeah I'm Nikki um, I live in Cornwall I run a um, livery yard um, and a question centre with my husband um, I'm an equine physio I'm a mum to a you know, grown up boy now who's moving to London at the end of next month um, I've got five step-grandchildren um and i breed my own dressage horses well they weren't dressage horses when i bred them but they are now and um yeah and i'm a yeah i i'm a dressage rider that's something i said to you 12 months ago (laughs) no no absolutely i'm dressage rider what an interesting identity statement there awesome okay so today we're just going to chat really about what the past year has been like for you not necessarily from a pandemic front but obviously that's been involved as well but from uh you know working with us what's changed for you why you came to us and just tell us really a little bit about your your story of the of the past year so what was it? If you think back, in fact, it was a little bit over a year, really, wasn't it? It was more probably eight. Well, it was eighteen months. Yeah, exactly. It was a long time ago now. Um, tell us what kind of mindset you were in, and what it was that drew you to, you know, have a chat with me and and decide that you wanted to work work with us. So I was um, doing um, working at Medium with my horse that um, I bred. I've scored him, he's, um, everything that I've done with him, I've done myself. Um, he show jumped, um, he did British show jumping up to, I'm just looking at him out on the field now, um, he did British show jumping up to uh, 105s, he did do with newcomers. Um, then we, I wasn't, I probably wasn't very happy in the show jumping environment. I felt very much a bit like I did in every one of them, really. I felt a bit like I shouldn't really be there. Um, my friend evented quite a lot, so we swapped over. We went British eventing. He evented up to um, Meta. We did um, BE. And we did a lot of riding club stuff. Um, then he went lame. Um, he stood on a stone when we were up in Wiltshire. Um, so we had a bit of a practice at doing some dressage. Um, then I kind of got really bitten by the dressage bug. It very much appeals to my nature as a, a physio, um, working with the whole body of the horse, getting them supple, um, appeals to my nature of, um, I love schooling. I love training. 
and dressage is very much you know what you put in you get back out again so I never went back I never went back to jumping we do still jump you know we jump for fun but we don't jump competitively anymore so uh, Fred and I had got we'd trained all the way up to the levels we got to medium we were qualified for pet plans um, at medium um, and I'd managed to qualify him for three different pet plan festivals um, at the first one Cassie came with me, Cassie Gadsby, who's also one of your ambassadors. She came with me and groomed for me. And oh, we were lucky enough to get in the top 10. So we qualified for pet plan finals. I put enough money back that summer so that I could do the other two pet plan finals, uh, pet plan festivals. So Cassie said to me that one of the things she noticed coming and grooming for me, because normally she's working when I'm doing local shows, that I absolutely had a meltdown when I was in the warm-up arena to the point where I sat in the corner and wouldn't come out. Um, I didn't really, I, luckily enough, I'd had a lesson on him with Diane Furman Baker in the morning and then we travelled up from hers to Wellington. Um, so he didn't really need a lot of warming up. Um, but I'd sat in the corner. I'd picked out everybody who was in that warm-up arena who was going to beat me. Everybody in the warm-up arena that I thought was an under-21, so therefore they weren't a threat. And kind of worked out how many people I had to beat just to get myself into the 10th position. And Cassie said afterwards, I, I was absolutely over the moon. We got our 10th place. I was absolutely chuffed to pieces. But Cass said afterwards that my negativity in the warm-up arena was a detriment to her as much as it was to me and she said I can't believe that you're that you don't believe in yourself that much she said those um the money that you've put back for the next two uh, pet plans I think you ought to go and do some mindset training and hence why I got hold of you in the first place so we worked a lot on basically my imposter syndrome. But over those, so we worked with you from August till December before I came an ambassador the first year. Um, and those one-to-one -one sessions with you were absolutely amazing. Um, definitely brought out my confidence, definitely brought out um, kind of why I wanted to do it. I love, like I say, I love the training. I love the schooling. The I am competitive in nature. I want to be the best at everything I do. It's not just with um, my dressage, it's everything. Um, so that isn't ever gonna go away, but I needed to not give myself such a hard time about it. And that's really, really hard. So over the year of being an ambassador with you and now being a mentor, I kind of try to work out where that's come from um why i don't believe in me um and yeah and kind of go from there cool i'm just going to pause you there for a moment <clears throat> because we've got so much we can cover but i just want to go back a fraction to when you decided to get some help so I, i'm sure there are probably lots of people watching in or listening in that think yes i do exactly that 
I, I, I know. I've been there, done that one myself. Looked in the warm up and gone, well, you're no threat. You're no threat. You're not even in my class. You're warming up for the different class. So that's OK. You look too fancy. I think we're, you're not even in my class. Oh, right. Here's my competitors. Uh, I think we've all done that at some point in time, haven't we? We've been in the warm up and rather than warming our horse up, we've been looking at our competition. Yeah. And so and what was the effect? Because, OK, you got your top 10 placing, but that doesn't normally happen when you're in that kind of frame of mind or, you know, when when you're when you have what you call the imposter syndrome. So tell us just a little bit about how imposter syndrome was sort of manifesting itself for you and, and what what that was like to have that. Because you didn't you didn't realize at that point it was a thing either. No, no. That, I think that's that's the funny part. A lot of people don't realize it's a thing. They're just like, well, it's just what I do. They don't realize yeah. that it's. It is a thing. It is detrimental and it can change. So tell us a little bit about what was going on when you had that imposter syndrome. It's just that, um, you know, I just didn't really think I, I never would have said I'm a dress art rider. I was an eventer who'd gone over to the dark side. That's kind of how I used to introduce myself. Um, I didn't think that you know I trained my horses myself I didn't think I should be there I just didn't have any confidence that I you know I could do it I, I obviously I could do it otherwise I wouldn't have been there um but I just didn't have any belief in myself that I should be there or that my horse should be there you know it was just very much we've done this all on luck so every time I got a good score um I just think oh, the judges had a really good day today and, you know, oh, aren't I lucky because the judges had a good day. If I got a bad score, then that would just um, add to the building blocks of I'm not good enough. I'm not really supposed to be here. So, and unfortunately, like you said, it doesn't normally work that you get a good placing because the more that you tell yourself that you're not good enough to be there, and that you believe that those bad scores are the ones that you should get and not the good scores, you end up getting to the point where those bad scores do become more, um, more of a norm because you, you go in there with this attitude of, well, I'm not going to win. And you kind of, I, I just freeze. I'd come down the centre line and I used to think it was Fred, you know, oh, Fred, here's the bell and, and he just changes. It's me. I'd come down that centre line, the bell would go and I'd think I'd be riding exactly the same. And I wouldn't. There's no way. I'd come down, I'd just be thinking, oh my God, I've got to remember my test, I've got to remember this, I've got to remember that. I'd overload my brain to the point where I just didn't do anything. I'd ride the whole test in oh my God, I can't move. He's in this frame. I can't move. I can't do anything. Um, I've got to remember the test. I've just, and, and all I wanted to do was get out as quick as possible. And yeah, so then the scores started deteriorating and getting worse. Um, and yeah, I was in a mess. So I was just lucky that day. No, I wasn't. I'd worked hard because I'd had two days lessons beforehand and Fred was up for it. Um, I rode my test. I just couldn't ride my warm up. Mm. Mm. I think it's really interesting what you say that I hear this so often. Oh, my horse hears the bell and goes tense. And it's like, well, unless for something, something's happened that means that the bell is a trigger for your horse and they do get worried. 
But probably that's something that's happened that means they get worried is that the minute the bell goes, the rider clamps on and, and the horse goes, Whoa. so it, it might be your horse doing it. But most of the time, actually, it's the rider it, that that suddenly changes. Do you know the most interesting one that I find as well um, is that someone could be schooling and then their instructor or their coach says to them, right, we're going to ride through the test now. I know you yeah. found this as well, didn't you? We're going to ride through the test now. And suddenly the tension comes in. So tell us yeah. about that. I would have lessons. So Cassie comes over and trains me once a week home here. I have lessons with um, a couple of other dressage coaches as well. But Cassie's like my main person who comes over every week and um, runs through my test. She works on, she's really great because she works on making sure that my horses go really well in um, a good soft outline. But she'll come over and she'll record my test for me so I can see kind of what's going on and we can run through it before. Um, I, I am I am a really um, pernickety test rider. I like to test ride at home because therefore I know that I've got it practiced down to the end. Um, I've gradually weaned myself off that a little bit now. But um, yeah, I am. But as soon as Cassie was videoing it or as soon as she was kind of in, you know, doing a, a mock marking it, I'd come down that centre line and she's going, no, but what has happened to your trot? Uh, your trot has just died and I'm just uh, yeah I just I, I couldn't believe I could in my own arena at home my own horse nothing's happened I've already had less than half an hour and I've ridden down the center line and my trot's died but it's just because all of a sudden I've gone from somebody assisting me and helping me to somebody judging me now if I'm going to do dressage then that's what I've I, I, you don't enter a dressage test to not be judged. I mean, that's a bit pointless. Um, so, you know, I've got to get over that bit that I've still got to ride the same. If I'm coming down the centre line um, for a you know, practice to whether I can get my test or whether I'm coming down the centre line and being judged, whether it's John, whether it's you know, my husband or whether it's Cassie or whether it's anything, I just... Um, yeah, I just freezed. And um, yeah, which is ridiculous because I school horses for other people. I have, um, I sell horses, not, not that often, but I do sell horses. So I ride in front of everybody else. I've ridden in front of other people since I was seven years old. So for some reason or another, why it sort of manifested itself in my dressage um, was beyond me. Um, now I know, um, and you know, and now I'm working on it more, and it's just now more of a skill set that I've got to kind of improve. But um, because it means so much to me, and for me, it's really important on a. Um, it's not just them judging my dressage test. Um, for me, it's judging how good I am at my job. It's me them judging how well I've scored my horses. Um, and yeah, it means a lot. And that's where it's not just a competition. And that's when I knew, you know, that um, it's it, because it means so much. That's where I've got to work on it. Um, yeah, I think that's so common, isn't it? You know, in, in fact, I was chatting with a client yesterday and they were saying, 
um, that we, it was their last session. And they were saying, you know, that actually six months ago, people kept saying to them, just take the pressure off, just take the pressure off. And what they thought that meant was just care less, just care less. Mm. And she was like, I can't, I can't, because she does care. You know, you want to do well, you want to improve. But actually, she didn't realise is that it meant take the pressure off is a different thing altogether. But she didn't have the tools and the techniques. And I think you were in that position as well, which was you needed to take the pressure off. But you still care. It's still really important to you. It's still something you love. It is a potentially a reflection of your business and, and what you do. And so what is it that you started to realize then was for you taking the pressure off or or for you? I don't think it was so much taking the pressure off. It's just focusing on something else. Enjoying my journey. That's the point. Um, because to me, training is the important bit. Um, I love training my horses. You know, I could school my horses three, four times a day if they'd let me. Um, I just absolutely adore it. And I get a massive, massive buzz out of it. And now I just kind of look at my dressage test. Yeah, I, I still, you know, my goals are to, um, they're both going to pet plans at the end of next month. Um, we are already trying to get our qualies for winters. That's not going to change. I'm still a very much a goal setting. I want to get my qualies for the championships. But what it is, it's, it's a marker of, my performance rather than um somebody going out there and saying i'm good or i'm bad it's not that and it's up to me whether i feel that i'm ready for a test or whatever and i've just got to enjoy that and that's the icing on the cake i got very very fixated about what scores would go on my courses sheets um and oh my god you know it's like oh i haven't got the highest scores but I also know that I'm not very good at, I'm not a, you know, put my horse in prelim and stay there for my entire life kind of person. Um, as soon as I think I am possibly in with a chance of getting a 60 plus for the next level, I'll go for it. Um, but that's always what I've been like. I'm not a um, time short. Um, if I If I don't have a go, I'll never know whether I can do it or not. Um, so therefore, if I am only just there and I have a go and I don't get the score that I think I should have got, then put it in the fuck it bucket, really. I really don't care. It's it's was one of those things. I chose to put my myself and my horse in that point at that moment. Judge might not like me today, or it's not that judge, judge doesn't like you. I might not have performed to their level that day, but... I look at it, it's a learning experience, I can do the same again. It's my journey, it's my choice to put my horse in that test at that point. So therefore, I've got to suck it up with whatever they score me. I now kind of look at um, the judges' comments on the side. And I. it's very much like reading social media or tech speak. There is no... Um, um, what you call it there is no there is no emotion behind it so you can either read it upbeat or you can read it downbeat you know <laughs> and depending on what mood you're in or how you think you've read your test will be how you read your sheet i tend to scan my sheets now when i've finished look at my score scan my sheets and put them in the trailer i don't look at them until i come home and then i've kind of by that time the emotions out the way 
um, uh, whether I think I did a good test or a bad test, it's gone. Um, and then I can look at them afterwards and kind of go, and then I analyze them. You know, I am, I was an accountant, so I'm quite analytical. Um, so I analyze them. I look at what I did last time. I look at what I did um, this time. And I kind of go, well, okay, well, last time I got a seven for that, but this time I only got a five. So actually I can achieve a seven. What did I do wrong coming into that movement today that made me only get a lower mark? So therefore, I know that that's something I've got to practice on to actually make that more fluent. And I kind of just look at it at that, you know, um, my dear baby horse, I mean, she's not that much of a baby, she's six, but it was her first year of competition. Um, we did a novice show. She's very, very spooky. We did a novice show. She came out, she won both her classes. She got high 60 marks, really, really chuffed with her. A couple of weeks later, we had a uh, list one international Olympic judge come down um, local. Um, it was organized by one of my other dressage trainers. Um, massive experience, massive like opportunity. And she said to me, or my dressage trainer said to me, have a go at putting her in for elementary. And I was like, well, we haven't even practiced any of the movements for elementary. She can leg yield. Um, we use that at home as training, but we'd never run through an elementary test. She'd not done a simple change. Um, so I was like, well, we're just not, we won't be ready. And she said, well, it's a learning experience. It's a three day show. Um, just pop her in. She's capable of it, um, but it will be, you know, it will be a learning experience. I, I, did. I popped her in the elementary. I popped her in the elementary classes for the weekend. Now, knowing what I knew from her training level, I knew that I wasn't going to get very good marks. Um, the in my um, test riding clinic on the first day, she got 65, 66%. Absolutely chuffed to pieces. She was a good girl. And I didn't have the pressure of, I was riding for somebody else, but I didn't have the pressure of actually riding a test. Um, and I know that she's a, a tough, tough cookie. But Darcy was having her first away show. So all the things that you told me not to do. So go up a level, um, change it, change the um, venue, uh, being on an away show. Um, well, basically everything you told me not to, I did that weekend. But Thanks. I kind of knew for that. I was pushing myself <laughs> out of my comfort zone and I'm using it as a training experience. Fine. So, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of, I'm not doing this as in this is a competition that I expect to win. I'm doing this as, as this is a training experience. So to, I will see how she is. And, you know, this for her is going to massively be amazing for her confidence and, you know, she took it all on board. Some of our scores weren't great. Um, and, um, yeah, I messed up my test because I hadn't really learned an elementary test for quite a while. Freddie's at advanced medium now, so I haven't ridden an elementary test for a long time. Um, but, you know, she did it. And I had to, after the first day, I gave myself a bit of a, I was pretty down in the dumps. Not after the test right now, after the first day of competition, I was pretty down in the dumps. And there was some really top riders there that weekend some um 
Anna Ross's stable's not very far away from me and all her riders and they were going out with it was the weekend before um Quali's finished so they were going out with all their young horses and whereas before I would never have ever had enough confidence to speak to them I kind of said to them you know am I pushing my horse too much am I pushing myself out of my comfort zone should I stay at novice where you know she was quite comfortable and you know I done what I needed to this was kind of what if I qualified for pet plans at elementary at the same time it would have been cool but you know it wasn't a, a thing that I was really trying for and they were absolutely lovely and because I'd taken the time and pushed myself out of my comfort zone to speak to them I got some really really great feedback from them and felt a lot better about it and then they went into the last day of the competition thinking well it's it is, it's my journey. Um, it's not up to the judge to decide whether I've put my horse in for this test or not. She doesn't know my story. She doesn't know where I've come from with Darcy. She doesn't know what I'm doing or why I'm there. So yeah, I've just got to take those scores, suck it up, kind of do my analytical review when I get home, kind of work out where I want to. Um, and dropping her back down a level to novice now, she's so much more confident she's um feels so much more prepared and i know now we can go into our novice to qualify for the winters and hopefully get our elementaries at the same time but again it's just not taking everything to heart they're not those judges aren't there to you know you kind of i used to come out that judge hates me i'm not going into that show because that judge hates me yeah but it's not that at all they're there to judge what they can see and they don't know what happens beforehand or anything no and i think the concept that you described beautifully there is another key element that we work with people a lot on which is the concept of judgment versus analysis and judgment is very emotion driven it's very um subjective it does boil down to you know whether the judges had a nice lunch can actually affect these kind of things you know genuinely it can you know but also it does boil down to what they are looking for and whether or not you're hitting that mark well you don't know what they are looking for because even with the judging standards there's still differences from different judges isn't it and some of them like yeah. it one way and others like it another and um what you were doing previous to this was adding the emotion and adding the judgment in yourself when you read that sheet like you say depending on how you're reading that sheet will depend on how you interpret it and that is life you know that whatever filter things are passing in through whether that be the happy filter or the annoyed filter or the disappointed filter or whatever that's the what you'll get and if you can remove the that side of it now that's not to say don't have emotion in fact I was talking to someone about this the other day and I was saying, have the emotion, be annoyed, angry, upset, elated, happy, overjoyed, cry, whatever. That's fine. You can do that. But then do the analysis element once, you, once you've had that emotional response, because yeah. that's what you now do, isn't it? You now look at it when you're in like neutral again and look for the information you need in order to improve. So what is it that you do with those scores, with that sheet that then helps you to decide what next, what to improve upon, without the emotional element now? So, yeah, me being, like I say, accounting brain, um, I have a spreadsheet system. So, <laughs> um, I have basically the tests. So I have, like, well, with her, she's got her Novice 23 sheet. And I put into that, so all the movements are down there. And I put in um, 
what I've scored. And um, so it rolls on to this, if I got every single movement in that test at the highest mark, this could be the percentage that I could, that she is capable of achieving at this moment. Um, and again, I know it's all pretty much, it just depends on the judge and depends on, um, it depends on the day, depends on the weather, but I kind of go for my brain that says, you know, it, is she capable of a, or is he, depending on which one I'm doing, um, are they capable of, what is their highest mark they are capable of in that movement? If I'm consistently getting five and a half sixes across one movement, then I know that I have got to work really hard on that. If it's on my collectives and I know that they're not enjoy or they're not enjoying watching my tests, so they're not enjoying um yeah uh yeah they don't think that they're submissive enough and that they're going in a, in a correct outline then i know that i've got to go back and i've got to work on the basics to get that going if i kind of go well okay well we are consistently now running sevens in all of that bit then i just touch back on those things every more so it's kind of a bit more like i don't know a bit more like when i was practicing for my mass tests I suppose when I was at school you know you don't keep going back and practicing the easy stuff you want to practice the stuff that you are getting aren't getting right so if I look at it that way it kind of um it works well with my brain because I know that that's you know somewhere I need to work on and then I can actually see it in black and white it's not that's not emotional figures aren't emotional they can't be you can read whatever you like into words but figures aren't emotional so therefore you can kind of go okay well that is worth a five okay so therefore i need to improve it and just trying to take the emotion out of it it's not because the judge hates my horse or hates me or um you know yes your horse does go better at some arenas than it does in others but again that's something that you can work on um, Fred used to go to where our, most of our championships are down here. Fred used to event there. So when he used to go there, he used to get excited. I mean, he thought he was going to event in. Um, so, you know, in the warm up there or in the test there, he could be an absolute git. You know, he'd be bouncing around all over the place. He could do beautiful tempo changes when we were not supposed to, but he could do them. So, you know, go back a step. There's no point me going. Um, okay, well, let's take him there when it's just a championship. We went up there when it was a couple of quiet days. We worked on that. We worked on getting him just settled there, making him realise that he wasn't going to be doing anything super hyper when he got there all the time. And now he's now he's Mr. Chill Pants there again. Um, so again, it's just kind of working out what you need for your journey in a more of an analytical view rather than an emotional. Uh, this is learning. Um, you can put the emotion in it. I mean, I got, oh yeah, I skip, and now I get excited again when I'm about to have a competition. I, I used to, the whole, I used to almost dread it. I knew I wanted to do it, but I dread going because I was dreading somebody um, emotionally um, draining me because that's how I used to read it. It was, I used to take it so personally. Now it's not, I can't, there's no point taking it personally. They might not even know who I am. I mean, the local judges, you turn up every other week, um, they do know who you are. But 
they don't, you know, I, I speak to them afterwards and, oh, you know, how did you think that test went? They probably don't remember. You know, they judge, I don't know how many horses in each class, how many classes every day. They don't really remember just your test. It's not personal for them. That's their job. Um, so, you know, you can't take it personally because they're not. And then you just take that amount out of it and just yeah, use it as a learning experience. It's fun. We do it for fun. These horses are expensive to run. Um, there's no point giving ourselves a real hard time about somebody going, oh, you know, that's not worth it. Just go home and work on it and then come out the next day. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so I train with someone who is the technical technical manager, I think is is uh, technical lead, maybe. I can't remember the exact uh, um, job title that he has for the Canadian Paralympic team. And this is exactly what he does. When you say about your spreadsheet, this is what he does for them. He tracks continuously the test so that he can look at, right, that's constantly a six. How do we get it to a seven? That's always an eight. Okay, fine. Um, or not always, but consistently enough. You know, one of the things people are always saying to me when I ask them, what's your goal? They say consistency. And I'm not sure we can ever really get consistency in our sport because we are riding a sentient being. There's environmental factors, like you say, and then there's judging involved. So there's not there's not enough constants to have consistency in that respect. However, if you feel like you're improving or at least you feel like you're not going backwards, then that is consistency enough. But if you're tracking it, then you can really see where there is some consistency. You're never going to get consistent tests or consistent scores, but you could get consistent marks in a certain area or consistent collectives or consistent marks where they need to improve. And that's exactly what you've just been talking about there. Yeah, I mean, you can also see, like, if it's a certain venue where your horse doesn't go well, then you can kind of go, well, actually, he really doesn't do go well there. And if yeah. it doesn't matter that he doesn't go well there, don't go there. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's, it's really is quite that simple. Unless you really want to be going there. Um, I know there's one arena that we go to that's got a, a road running right beside it. Now, Freddie's not great in traffic. I don't need to go there. I won't go there. Um, you know, I know he doesn't go very well there. Um, so therefore, I get there going, oh, I know Freddie's not going to go very well here. So, so we, it doesn't. You set so, yourself up, yeah. yeah. yeah so it's control just, the controllables, isn't it? Yeah. So I just don't go. You know, it's not, it's not a be all and end all that I go there. It's, you know, um, and I try to make everything as, as spooky and, and, and do what you can at home to prepare for those but you're still in your home environment you're still in your comfort zone so you know unless you push yourself out of that a little bit then you're not gonna you know don't do what I did at Bicton and throw yourself in the yeah go up a level go new whatever you know do it gently but you know I'm I'm big enough and ugly enough to know that I am you know, I did it and I, I knew what I was doing. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, is that you knew that you were going against what advice is given, but the advice is given to achieve your best. And if you weren't going there to pull out a performance, you were there to train, to get feedback, to, to throw her in a bit almost deliberately the deep end, then it's okay to change lots of things at the same time. The only thing is, of course, then unpicking which bit made the difference but it didn't matter because for you it was a case of right she's just got to deal with this yeah I'm not worried about I'm not scared of the outcome and I'm not no. worried about the result so you weren't doing something dangerous 
and you weren't bothered by the results so that's okay but if you're trying to get your best performance that absolutely wouldn't have been the right thing to do at new level new venue young horse and all of that and then come out going oh why didn't I pull out my best performance Mm, too many variables the only thing that bothered me was uh, and it was one person's opinion was that I'd thrown her I'd pushed her too hard and that they would have wanted to have seen her perform better at a lower level and I was like so yeah that's what bothered me the first day and I was like but actually that's one person's opinion and do I do I take one person's opinion over why I thought that this was a good point in my training journey probably not so therefore you know I said I just sucked it up and kind of went on um yeah but um what I was proud of myself um about was how i how i could warm up with those people that i you know they are professionals that's what they do i mean beth bainbridge rode seven different horses in 14 different tests on one day um and and didn't have a caller um some of those horses she'd never sat on beforehand and she was pulling out 65 percent plus scores for the whole lot there is no way that i'm going to compete against that i just can't i'm not that person i don't do that for a living i don't have a trainer in my back pocket every day um and you know i've not done dressage for as long as beth has so there's no point there is no comparable between the two of us um but i warmed up beside her i asked her opinion and i asked her advice and I didn't feel scared of it. And that's kind of where I could go, well, actually, that's where I held my own. And yeah. as I walked back across the um, car park for the last day, she made a point of coming out of her lorry and asking how I'd done and did I have a nice weekend? And, you know, that's kind of when I went, do you know what? I actually kind of do belong in this world. It's not too bad, actually, at all. And then you kind of, that, and then you, that little tiny bit of confidence then just kind of makes you feel like, actually, no, I do belong here. And it, you know, just because they're all there on their flashy horses and that's what they do. Beth's probably got no emotional attachment. You know, she might have a bit of emotional attachment to their horses, but they're not her horses that she's brought all the way up through. My, my horses will never be for sale. Um, they're my horses. So if I put a crap score on their sheet, it doesn't really matter. It's, you know, they're my horses and I love them to pieces and um, it's our journey together and you can't go out and compare yourself to the other professional riders. It's just completely different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got uh, one client who would constantly go on and on about how they're not as good as the others in her class, but she was the best amateur in the class every time, every single time, hands down, best amateur, best amateur, best amateur and um you know she was riding in birds when she was younger she was riding internationally she was doing that but she decided to actually go and get a degree in something science related and then from that go into a you know a corporate type job and she's out now competing against these guys who continued on as riders that became their profession and so funnily enough she's not as far forward as them because she wasn't doing it day in day out on really great horses uh, with really great instruction and constantly all the time. But then equally, they would never have been able to do what she went and did because they haven't got those skills. And people forget that riding is a skill that has yeah. to be honed and practiced, just like 
you know, most of the people I work with, it's it, their professional career is not riding. Most of the people are just like yourself, leisure riders. We do it as a hobby. And they forget that actually, you know, what they do in their job, if someone, if so, if they said to someone, right, come on, go and do my job for a day, people are like, don't be ridiculous. I can't do that. But they don't think of it that way when they look at a dressage rider, a professional rider. They forget it's their job day in, day out. And I thought because, you know, I'm a physio and I work on horses every day, you know, that that is, oh, God, you know, I'm in the profession. I'm not a dressage rider. No. I'm not a professional dressage rider. I am no. an equine physio. You know, they wouldn't be able to come and do an assessment and rehab on a on a on a horse. So wherefore I can't expect myself to go be in there and be able to pull out the scores that they can or sit on that horse for the first time and then pull out a 65% test, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's just not gonna happen because that's not my skill set. My skill set is the fact that I I school my horses in the morning before I go off and do physio for the whole day. You know, yeah. um, that's what I do. Um, but you know, it's just, but it's just about what I've discovered most over the last sort of um, couple of years. It's just about taking a step back and just enjoying it because it's just, otherwise it's just super draining. Um, you know, you just get to the point where you kind of dread going out. You want to go out, you dread going out, you dread picking up your sheets. You dread looking at it and then you come back and there's no real sense of fulfillment no matter mm. whether you've won or you've come last there is no fulfillment in it because you kind of you can talk yourself out of or into any score or any um any placing you can kind of you know when you're in that spiral of working out whether you should be there or not you don't think you've actually achieved anything and then it just yeah. becomes hard work and my, my husband would say to me you do this for fun like why <laughs> and I was like yeah I don't know I don't know why yeah I have to <laughs> so yeah I just kind so, of you know oh, go on um no I was gonna say so we know that you've overcome imposter syndrome very much now. I mean, to have gone and done what you did the way that you did it, there is no way that if you felt like you didn't fit in or, you know, that you couldn't do it or that everything was based on your scores, you, you'd never have taken your young horse to that show and dealt with it the way that you did, you know, ever and come out of it with such positive experience. So that's absolutely like clear evidence that you're now in, in such a better place um, to be able to, to do what you love. What else do you think was a real kind of pivotal thing that you've learned in the last couple of years that has really made that much of a difference to your riding? And, and the thing is, is, people come to me because they want better scores and better performance. And that's absolutely fine. Like, I totally get that. That's, that's, that's a really great reason. What they don't realise is that actually what we do is we work on their psychology and mindset to get them enjoying it more and, you know, going with the flow and going with the process and doing all of that stuff and then their scores improve. But what they're expecting very often is that there's some kind of magic quick fix or something to improve scores or suddenly do better. What they don't realise is we've got to unpick all the other stuff. So what was some of the other stuff that we unpicked for you that you're happy and, and willing to share um, that made such a big difference for you? You, the actual finding um, my place in competition has been very much the last thing that's fallen into place. I think what's, I've discovered over the last couple of years is actually who I am, um, 
there was, I think, one podcast you did about um, finding your me. Well, I didn't really know what my me was. You know, I had, you know, I can easily write it down in my bio. This is what I am and this is who I am. But actually, you've got to find your me and find it in your heart. Um, I know that I love helping people. Um, and one of the things that you helped me discover was the fact that I'd help people to the point where actually I was putting myself last all the time, which is great. It sounds, um, sounds heroic, sounds amazing. But when my health started um, taking a massive battering for it and um, I um, was exhausting myself to the point where I couldn't do what I wanted to do with my own horses um, and I was too fatigued to ride or too poorly to do my competition, then you need to slow down a bit. So um, the archetype thing that we did um, in one of the mindsets was amazing because, yeah, I am a pleaser. I want to please people, but I've got to learn to put up boundaries um, put up boundaries in my own life so yes I can still please people I can still help people but learn to keep that within a safe environment for me so if I can't do it um, I now say no um, and I, I say no I explain why I can't do it but I might give them an alternative solution because I like helping people. That's not, you know, um, I love helping horses. I love helping people. So therefore that's in my nature. I didn't want to take that bit away from me, but I knew, know that I have to have boundaries put in place to protect me. Um, the other thing is kind of unpicking where all this came from in the first place. Why do I feel the need to, um, feel like I belong, to feel like I, um, to feel like I need to, I need reassurance that I'm actually doing the right thing. And, you know, that stems back to a lot of things in my childhood, being bullied at school, um, you know, being the eldest of three siblings who, or two, two siblings, I'm, I'm one of three, um, being the eldest, I was, you know, I found school pretty easy um, and um, I was always, and I'm a, I'm a strong person. I know I'm a strong person. So therefore I take control of things. And because of that, sometimes people pile stuff on you um, and that's fine, but there is only a certain amount that you can take before you collapse. Um, you know, my foundations are very strong, but even then you can only take so much. And sometimes to realize that actually it's okay to lean on somebody else and, or to offset it, or just to say, oi, hang on a minute. I, I've, I've had, I, you know, I've taken enough. Just give me a breather for a second and everything's fine. Um, and kind of that was how it was manifesting in my, in my riding. Um, and it has done all over, all through my life. It's been whatever, you know, when I had postnatal depression when Ryan was born. Um, but at that point, he was the most important thing in my life. Um, I had um, points in my life where I thought that um, I, was, I was a crap wife. Um, you know, when Ryan was a bit older, you know, I, I had um, 
cognitive behavioral therapy because I, you know, I, I was convinced that John was going to leave me. Again, he was the most important thing in my life at that point. And I think, you know, now I've been married 23 years. You know, Ryan's moving off to London. Now the horses are the most important thing in my life. You know, my family and is, is super important. But they're there, they're pretty stable, you know, that's not likely to, you know, God forbid that ever changes. The riding is now something I can work on and I can, so it's important to me. And that's kind of why it started manifesting itself in my riding. So it was actually a lot more, a lot deeper than just my riding. Um, and just kind of working out who I am, dealing with the fact that, yes, yeah, I, I you know, I want to achieve. Um, to kind of like suck that up a bit because that's kind of how you're going to push yourself anyway. Um, and just kind of knowing that it's because this is really, really important to me that it bothers me. Um, and yeah, just try and enjoy it. And I think in probably in you know, 10 years time, I'll probably, I'll be nearly 60. So, um, you know, I might be thinking about slowing down, but hopefully in 10 years time, I can look back at this and kind of go, well, actually, yeah, that was a really, really great part of my life. Just like bringing up Ryan was and, and you know, being married to John has been, it's all part of life's journey. And if I don't start enjoying it, these 10 years are going to go past with me being a nervous wreck and actually not enjoying this new stage in my life. So yeah, it's very, very much, deeper than just your riding um and you know you don't make it's not one of those um therapy things that kind of make you go in and uh, you know tell you about my backstory don't need to but what it does give you the skills is to kind of work it out work out where you are work out your why um and then then you can work on it and kind of think, okay, well, I can live with that. I can't live with that bit. Um, I now surround myself with people that I like, you know, um, even my clients. I've last year, I made the decision that we weren't going to do DIY livery anymore. I've still got them. I've still got some, and I have, but I've got a lovely, lovely bunch of DIY liveries. Um, they are like my little family and I love having them around. We all G each other up. We've done, we did a load of dressage anywhere during the winter when we weren't able to go anywhere else. Um, and we all support each other. Most of them watch your lives on a, on a, in the morning and, you know, they'll go, oh, that's really, we got something from that. Or we know why, why you do that now. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, all I can do is pass on my little bit of knowledge that I know, um, take it, leave it, do whatever. But we're all like just one big family. And again, you surround yourself with people who've got the same reason in life to be, then it kind of just makes life a lot easier. And then everything else starts slotting into place, you know, when you just start beginning to enjoy life a little bit more. And then it shows in your riding. Awesome. Gorgeous. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. You're entirely right. All of that. It, it really does. And like you say, it's not about sitting there and telling someone your entire backstory and because that's justification as to why you are the way you are. OK, there will be things that mean you are the way you are. But it, what do you do about it? How do you move on from it? What tools do you need? 
and the, and you're right i like to think that it's giving you the tools to fish rather than feeding your fish you know it's it's saying well here's the tools when so when you come across something again you go oh god that hearts back to that or god that's just popped up where'd that come from that you can then do something about it not have to contact me and go help i need rescuing again because it's a bit tiring trying to do that for everyone <laughs> i think i'd burn out so yeah i mean is there anything else that you want to kind of add or you know say to people well you've got this opportunity um today i think it's just you know you can't go back and change what's happened you know whatever's happened whether it's um you know i can't i can't say i had a bad childhood i didn't have a bad childhood you know i, I most um you know um most things are you know everyone probably had some sort of bullying at some point or another you know i'm I had, you know, my mum and dad were uh, were great. Um, they supported me, but perhaps sometimes their um, the people I surrounded myself with didn't have the same end goal as what I did. Um, but again, it doesn't matter. Your journey is your journey. We only get to do this once. Um, so put the past in the past. Use it as a tool, and. Um, just kind of find you and go with it. I think that's all I can say, really. Wow. Find you and go with it. Just like that. <laughs> and if people are sat here thinking, how on earth do I find me and go with it? Then there's lots of options, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it sounds simple um, because, but, and he, God, yeah, God, I still have ups and downs and I still have, you know, I've, but it, I know that the basis is there and actually I don't have to do any of this. I don't have to push myself this hard. It's my choice to do it. So therefore I could cut out so much more, so much of my stress <laughs> and lead a really, really easy life. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be me. And I think that's the thing. It's just finding your me and what you're happy with and what you're not happy with and just try and, you know, I get, I could make my business so much bigger and so much better if I wanted to. I don't really want to. I'm quite happy with my personal touch that I do and where I am. I've got enough pennies to do what I want to do. Um, you know, I love my horses. I could go out and buy myself something really flashy, but I love the training. So therefore I do what I do. It's just finding what you enjoy doing. Um, and yeah, just, going with the flow a little bit more, you know? It's just, I think that's probably what the last 12 months has taught me is that you just have to, life's gonna throw curveballs at you anyway. So just go with the flow a little bit more and just kind of enjoy the journey. Mm. Awesome, thank you so much. And if anyone wants to drop you a message or ask you a question or hear anything from you, then what's the best way they can get hold of you? Uh, I'm best on Facebook. I have got an Instagram account, but I'm still um, still not brilliant on it. But it's Woodwick Farm um, Question Centre or Equine and Physiotherapy Centre. Just put Woodwick Farm in Facebook. Yeah, Woodwick Farm. And it's the longest Facebook page I've ever come yeah. across in my life. So if you find that one, you know it's the right one. Yeah. It's like something um, like Woodwick <laughs> Farm, Question Rehabilitation and Physiotherapy, something or other, and some other yeah. things as well. <laughs> but I couldn't quite work out what I'm what I'm best at being. So there, it's got all of them in it. 
Um, <laughs> and it's Woodwick Farm on Instagram. Awesome. But Woodwick Farm, W-O-O-D, W-I-C-K. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Wrong oh, side. other side, other side. There we are. Woodwick yeah. for people watching. Yeah. She's showing us her boobs. Cool. Super. So thank you so much, Nikki. It's been absolutely lovely. People have really, really loved um, hearing your story and hearing you, you know, having come through this and, and the different person that you are. So thank you so much for a little bit of inspiration. Um, anyone who's listening in, if they want to um, send any comments or anything, then just post them onto our Facebook page, Blind Change Coaching. And um, we'd love to hear from everyone and what they think. So thank you so much, Nikki. It's That's been a pleasure. Okay, thank you. Um, it's um, not saying I don't need you anymore, though, Jenny. I still need you every so often to help me rewire my bits. But <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, like the support is then there if and when you need it. You don't. You're not leaning on it. It's not crutch. I'm not holding you up. But every now and again, you know, same way I have coaches for me. You know, and, and you know, I have a mindset coach, and I have a a person that I go to when I need a bit of help every now and again because that we do we're human we we are not islands we need the support around us and of course you're an ambassador and a mentor so you've got our amazing eden group and uh, and the ambassadors and things to be part of and a fabulous mentor to them as well so don't worry we're not going anywhere <laughs> we love having you so thank you. thank you so much nikki it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, hopefully see you soon yeah see you soon take care bye bye and I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you want to listen to more of them, then please do follow us in Apple, in Google and on Podbean. Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us and we look forward to you listening into our next one. Bye, everyone. Who got this? Who got this?